Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. Ready to go in the arena of ideas. The first one, the head game. 2.0, 2.0. Our throw with Dr. Lee Piccarillo and Jess Ferdinand. Thank you, Foxy. Thank you. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. Mm. There you go for a bigger and better, a lot more topics to tackle, more discussions to be had, more examinations to be made, right? And all that and a whole lot more. Yeah, I think so. On Head Game 2020. 2020. 2.0. 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> just came to me there. It did. And and, and the, the organic nature just makes it that a whole lot sweeter, folks. Well, that's, what it, that's what they call sparking. You know, is that what it sparks is? A, sparks some kind of creativity. I love, I, love, I love the radio terms. Yeah. <laughs> the sparking. Spark. That's yes. what we need. Yeah, you that is that? what we need. You teach that in classes? I used to, uh, I, with the kinetic school broadcasting, I used to mm-hmm. teach radio performance. Did that for five years, and, and I, I would play bloopers, and then to get everybody to relax, and that's how they used to perform. So that's uh, part of the idea you, as being a coach is to get them to perform. Mm. So it works. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I had a blooper my first time here. You did? You remember your blooper? What I did. Was I it? think I called you Dr. Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it worked out. <laughs> You're still I, here? I, I remember the, the warm and fuzzy feeling that came over me when you called me Dr. Pickle. Right. It was traumatic. Yeah. Well, for you. Yeah. <laughs> you called worse. Right. Yeah. A lot worse than Pickle. But it did bring me back to my, <laughs> my, my youth yeah. when I was actually... Now, I, I need to get on the mindful couch. Do we have any sad music, Fox? Oh, man. Is that bad? When I was in summer camp... Yeah. Um, they used to call me Pickle. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they did. Ooh. I was not happy. No. Yeah. Oh, well. it, uh, but you know what? It, it, it encouraged a ton of, of, of a need to be resilient at a young age. Yeah. And I had to fight through the pickle that I was in. <laughs> Wow. Um, how about that? That's, well, yeah, that's deep. That's, 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 that's what two weeks off will get you. There. You see wow. that? Yeah, it's a big one. There, yeah, right? when you take two weeks off, you come up with the pickle. The power of no. Oh. There you go. You Is this Dr. No? no? Bonte. Yeah. Who's Dr. No? <laughs> it's one of James Bond's earlier films. See, Sean Connery. This is another thing that I need to watch. Well, you have to go back because Sean Connery is the best James Bond yeah. ever. I do know that. Personally. Oh. I'm, know that. I'm just going to come out and say that. One chance in three. There you go. Love him. So Dr. No was one yeah. of his first movies yeah, first. that put uh, Sean Connery on the map mm-hmm. as James Bond mm-hmm. 007. I understand. Sean Connery. There you go. Uh, so you can't really beat that. And that's that's definitely part of your education that needs to be taken care of. <laughs> so our discussion this week to sort of uh, catapult the, the new year uh, is the power of no, making time in 2020. Um, and uh, truth be told, this topic came to me on my flight home uh, from vacation. 
uh, where I was kind of sitting and pondering and reflecting, which I tend to do at the end of uh, a long hiatus. I did not look at my phone for 12 straight days. Um, And it started off with about three, uh, which I had committed to the notion of unplugging. And once I got to three, I just sort of was more interested in how that lack of dependency that was, you know, presently in my life, as it is in most of our lives, was making me feel. And I just kind of rolled with it and engaged in my own little social experiment. And I started to think about how often we personally, but I discuss with clients frequently, this notion of time in our lives and how life is so short and how time passes so quickly. And I came to a conclusion at the end of my two-week vacation on my flight home. Life, in fact, is long and time is plentiful. It's really how we perceive what we do with it and the pressure that we put on ourselves to maximize the concept of time that makes it go faster. And for that reason, I thought about this notion of why is it that we're not saying no more often in life? Why are we so quick to say, yes, I will do that. I can handle that. Give more to me. The stimulus that we often consume in a sensation-seeking world is more and more plentiful. And as we often think about with the head game, it starts to translate into athletic and human performance. The notion of the difference between the concept of no and yes, and how do these words impact the emotional development of people, of players, of teams, of coaches? Why is the word no so powerful? Can it be perceived in any other capacity? How is it important to know when you have the ability to say no, if that is perceiving limitation via yourself, via your strength coach, via your performance coach, how is it impacting the notion of training in today's world? When you think about young athletes, two, three, four, five times a week, strength training, flexibility training, yoga, nutrition. It goes on and on and on. The power to say, excuse me, the influence to say yes, thus starts to nip away at the power that we have to say no. And is this starting to sculpt our society in a different way? Is it considered to be weak when you say no to things? Our very own Carson Wentz, he, uh, I just read an article uh, either late last night or early this morning, of, when, of which it was published, in which he was commended for actually reporting his brain injury symptoms on the sideline. In today's world, more players who go into concussion protocol and then magically come out of the tent and they're A-OK, but you see the video replay of the hit and we know that they're not. They're clearly not telling the truth upon first report about what their symptoms are doing, what the, how they're experiencing, how they're enduring their symptoms. And Carson Wentz said no to that majority. I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be honest. I'm not right. Something is off. And some of the backlash and repercussion that he's even endured from local media as to making that decision is proof positive is to sometimes the concept of saying no to the norm is not positively reinforced.
so again, what we're going to be talking about, the power of no, making more time in this new year, uh, in this new decade, it also is going to lead us to creating a new segment here at The Head Game. Uh, we've spent a lot of time, maybe about the past year, doing our morning mindful news. And while that has served us well, we are going to transition into a new segment that we are going to refer to as Who's Got Game? And what that is going to be is, because there is a head game that we all play, we're going to explore and discuss each week someone's decision about something and discuss the head game that that person has gone through, whether it's pros or cons that they've weighed, how did they play the game, do we think they played it well, and would we ourselves would like to play along. So, before we hear from Coach Cal at a quarter past the hour, we're going to go to our own Jessica Ferdinand with our first segment of 2020 in Who's Got Game. Thank you. You're welcome. So, we decided... To choose Jerry Jones, because at the time it was... Um, at the time. At the time, we know now it's Doug Peterson, maybe. We can maybe expand this topic. Or Jeffrey later. Lurie. Yeah. Yes. There's, we could go on. We could go on. <laughs> Thus but, the beauty of who's got game. Right. Maybe we'll see how where it takes us. We'll see. So Jerry Jones, he let go of Jason Garrett after close to 10 years. I yes. think it came like nine and a half. They call something. it nine plus. Yeah. And... We now know that he actually selected a new coach, Mike McCarthy, as the new head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. I usually do some research, and this, I'm not going to lie, this topic was a little difficult just because it's more of a press conference. There's a lot of opinions out there from random sports journalists. So um, some things that I thought were interesting was Jerry Jones asked Jason Garrett, his opinion on Mike McCarthy as the new head coach, as his replacement, which you can assume is a pretty awkward topic for Jerry Jones to ask his ex. He knows he's going to fire him. Jason Garrett knows he's going to be fired. And Jason Garrett answered, you're not going to meet anybody more special than Mike. I love his story. I love him. He's great. Which kind of put into perspective for the first time. Now, I was raised as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you kind of learn, and I'm going to use the really strong word of hate, you learn to hate the Dallas Cowboys and anybody affiliated with Dallas. And for the first time, I thought of Jason Garrett as Jason Garrett, a right. coach, just a person. A, just a person. A human. Right. And, you know, when he said those words, I was like, he might, wow, he's not, he's not bad after all. Um, and then the second part to what I found was, McCarthy, kind of speaking onto a head game, he had taken a year off recently, this past year. So I feel like he feels like he's mentally ready. I think he even put that in the press conference that he feels like he's like... He's rejuvenated. Restarted. Yeah, he's rejuvenated. So just putting those thoughts out there. So, Foxy, let's go to the press release, or should I say the press conference, where Jerry Jones actually... Uh, the, the announcement is made that uh, Jason Garrett has been released, and this is some commentary about Mike McCarthy coming in. Number one, please. Well, the Cowboys made this determination a long time ago. In fact, we've known really since Sunday night when the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs, didn't win the NFC East, were not going forward with the season, that Jason Garrett was not going to be the coach of the Cowboys. We knew again on Monday. We've known the whole week. Uh, and, of course, the Cowboys already began their search to replace him. They have met with Marvin Lewis, the former Bengals coach. They've also met with Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach. That was yesterday. So we have known for a long time that they were going to move on from Jason Garrett. It was just a matter of 
them telling Garrett that he was out, which of course they actually have done several times and he's known, but then him basically accepting it and saying, yes, okay, you're going to move on. I'm going to move on as well. The Cowboys originally were just thinking that the contract would expire, it would become obvious, and that was that. Right. Instead, because they basically already had the coaching search, it's already become public. The whole world knows that they are interviewing candidates in trying to replace Jason Garrett. Finally decided this afternoon, just move on, tell him, and kind of go forward. And now Jason Garrett uh, no longer under contract with the Cowboys, so he gets free a couple days earlier than his contract says, right. and everybody can move on with their lives. This is what I find interesting about this is that it's probably one of the more, again, when we talk about the head game that all people play and you think about the extent of the games, when we're playing a game in our mind, there's strategy, there's tactics, uh, there's players involved, right? There's an objective that we want to achieve. It's the chess game, right, that we're all playing, the head game that we all play. Jerry Jones is no different. But what I found very interesting about this particular case is there has been report for years about the extent of relationship that Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones have. So instead of just firing a coach because Jerry Jones, prior to Jason Garrett, had established, keep in mind, folks, the Dallas Cowboys have not been to the NFC Championship nor the Super Bowl since 1995. And that's unacceptable when it comes to Big D, at least reportedly from Jerry Jones. So he's been swift, he's been secure in every other decision prior to Jason Garrett, and he's put a lot of ripples in the water. But for some particular reason, this game that he's playing with Jason Garrett is different. He's not going to fire him, he's just going to let his contract expire. Then he's actually going to use him as a consultant to assist and aid in the hiring of his replacement. And there was about a 10-day lame duck period where everyone knew that Jason Garrett was out, but the Dallas Cowboys ownership was not making the announcement that they were going to move forward with a new selection. That's an interesting game to me. It's one of perhaps protecting Jason Garrett. It's also perhaps one of protecting Jerry Jones. Yeah, when I was starting to do some research, I was looking up the, the psychology of terminating. So from Jerry Jones' perspective, what kind of happens in your mind? And something that kind of stood out to me was the first bullet, the big like topic was it's good to feel bad. It's good to have empathy. And Jerry Jones definitely showed that he had empathy with Jason Garrett. And I read further that it, you know Garrett family has been associated with the Dallas Cowboys since Garrett was a baby. His dad was His a father. Scout. Yeah. Right. So um, This they, actually lends itself to the argument that a lot of people make that Jason Garrett was never qualified to be the head coach of mm. the Dallas Cowboys. And it was only because of the relationship of his father with the organization, which got him the job and kept him there as long as it did which is also another element to the game. It's a quarter past the hour, and you know what that means. I haven't heard from him in a couple of weeks. I've heard about him. There's been sightings. I even heard that he rocked the house in my absence when he came in. He was bringing in guest players and friends. He brought in, he brought in more people than I have in the last three months. So clearly the guy's qualified. He's a mental strength coach. He's a personal friend. And he's got it all going on in 2020. It's time for Coach Cal's Corner. John Kalinowski, good morning, Coach. 
Good morning, Dr. Piccarello. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? How Welcome was, back. How, how are your holidays? Thank you. They're good. They're real good. Yeah? You rocked it out. I had, I, I had, uh, I had a couple days off, so it was nice. Okay. It was uh, very appropriate for our topic today. I had to say, no, we're not going to be open today. All I right. need to have some time with my family and just... Are you just off? Relax. You're off today. No, not today. This oh, okay. Before, uh, Christmas, it, the oh, okay. Christmas holiday. I took off uh, Christmas Day and the day after. Good so for we you. Close those heal th- heal yeah. thyself, Coach. Heal thyself. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was good. But I had, uh, while, while you were away, having a great holiday yourself, I had a, a big chair to fill, so I had to make sure we, <laughs> we did well with the show for you. I, I've, I've been listening to shows piecemeal. You guys did a great job. You had some great Thank content. You, you guys were... That, that was all Jess. Jess hooked it all up. She did. did a great job. Yeah, well, you know, she's a keeper, so you know, we, we, no we got, we've got we got big plans for Jess. We just got to figure out, you know, what where she ends up getting her doctorate <laughs> in the in the in the new year. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> Jessica's here. She's here. She's she's listening in. So, Cal, our discussion today is the power of no. And uh, we want to mix things up a little bit in the new year. So we're going to change our format a little bit. One, I, I, I want your take on this topic. But then we're actually going to introduce one of our first clips while you're online. And then we were okay. going to have more of a roundtable discussion as to, okay. you know, the impact that this... Um, this point can have in how we're working with players and the athletes development um we're talking about obviously the difference between core concepts of what no and yes actually mean and how the words impact the development of the player my question to you is in your own coaching philosophy cal are are you mindful um are you aware of how often the words no or yes come out of your mouth I'm not. I'm not actually aware of how often it is, but what I can tell you, and you may appreciate this with your line of work, is that I can tell that when I say no, I feel a certain way. When I say yes, I feel a certain way. And because of the type of person where I, who I am, um, I try to be a pleaser, which I think m- many of us naturally are. Um, I also try to always do whatever I can for people, saying no is a challenge for me. Um, and if I was in an interview with you, I would probably, and they asked that question, where do you think you can develop? The, my biggest flaw, I think, is saying no. Um, and and to, to the answer your question, I don't know how often I say yes or no because I'm always in the moment, but I can tell you that I feel uh, ang- almost like anxiety and pressure when I have to say no. And when I say yes, I feel, you know, elevated and I feel, you know, good. You know, I, I thank you for, for being so candid because that's really proof positive to the very point surrounding our discussion today of how, what no reminds us of, I think as human beings, goes all the way back to uh, how we're raised. When you think about parents, when we, when we first uh, figure out that our our toddler can start to walk and they're headed towards the the stairs it's no 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 no. you you, you don't want to do that <laughs> and and i think the concept of no gets um overemphasized by parents more out of protection and safety but it gets woven into the fabric of what we're hearing 
throughout the course of our human development. And I think there's a lot to be said for that because it's excellent point, Cal, what those words make us feel when we receive them, but also when we say them. Um, why do you think the word no is difficult for you? What power do you think no has over you? Well, I think no itself, being able to say no, is empowering. But I think, like I said, when, when I have to say, and I don't have a problem people saying no to me, it's when I have to tell people no. I think when you say, what kind of power does it have over me? I, I feel as if I'm letting someone down. Um, like I said, I, I'm the type of person that I want to do everything that I can, and I will do it to um, help others to the, the point where I don't care about what it does to me, um, but you have to also keep in mind, and I'm just saying this as I'm thinking about it, you also have to keep in mind about your well-being. And I think when you continually say no, and I'm learning this as I'm getting older, the more you say no and forget about your well-being, the more you're sacrificing a lot of yourself and who you can be. And, and sometimes when you, when you don't say no, you're overextending yourself, and it not only affects maybe the relationship between you and and that athlete or that individual who's, who's asking you something. But because you overextend yourself, it affects the relationship you have with the people that you should be spending more time with, the people that you really care about. So the power that it has over me, I think it's because being a, being a pleaser, being someone that wants to do everything that they can do, I think it just gives me, gives me that feeling of, of guilt that I'm not doing what I should, you know, what I could do for this person. But maybe it's not something that I really should do. I, saying no may be better in this situation for not only uh, the individual asking uh, the question, but also for me long term. So Jess is scribbling away notes, and she's just stacking up logs upon logs, ready to throw them <laughs> on the discussion fire. I'm going to throw... Cal yeah. is really messed up. Yeah, yeah that, that was in the small print at the very point in the bottom. Uh, we're going to listen to a quick clip to kind of throw another log on top. This is the art of saying no. You might feel pressured into saying yes, even when you know you can't. That's why creating boundaries is one of the most important things you can do. A friend of mine recently got me to think differently about how I handle outside requests and obligations. She was telling me how she would set hard and fast rules for requests that come her way. So if she's writing a new book, she will not do any interviews for the duration of the writing process, usually determined by a book deadline. And you might be thinking as I did, what if a really big opportunity comes your way? What if you had the chance to go on the Today Show, or Joe Rogan wanted to have you on his podcast, or you had the chance to be on The Price is Right? Wouldn't that be an amazing opportunity that you could not say no to? Well, that's exactly what I asked her. And she remained firm, stating that under no circumstances would she break this rule. And she said it was even more important to her not to break this rule for really big, exciting, cool, shiny projects that maybe even she had wanted to do in the past because those are really going to be the ones that derail her progress and potentially throw her off course from not finishing this project to begin with. This is what I find really interesting, and I want your take, Cal, and then we're going to have Jess, because she just threw another couple of logs. She's writing a small dissertation over there. Um, It's interesting, the slant that they take, because my first point was, 
you, you know, we, we have launched our own pod, podcast based on what we're doing here on the head game. And, and when you hear about the opportunity to be on Joe Rogan or The Price is Right or the Today Show, of course you're going to say yes to that. But the discipline to say no, to establish a boundary, because saying yes to things can often derail us from our larger picture. So really, it's trying to stay committed to yourself. How do you feel about that? I think you're right on point. Um, I, I think, and, and setting the boundaries will be very individualized, but I think it, you know, it is important to always take a look and, and self-reflect See what your priorities are, set priorities in some cases, set priorities and see what your priorities are and, and, and stick to them. And it's, it's not easy. Um, it's definitely not an, an easy thing to do if you're of the same personality type and background as myself. But um, I, I think there is value in it. And, and I also think it's much easier said than done. I thought I would um, just let you guys know what I've been writing down over here. Okay. <laughs> um, I've been listening to everything, so that's why I keep writing. My ideas keep changing, but I'm starting to think that saying no has a, there's levels of maturity to it. Like the first level is when you say no, you feel like you're a bad person because you believe that you, like, for example, a very small example, like if someone says, hey, do you want to go shopping with me? And you, you know, you can go shopping. You don't, you have time to go shopping, but you don't really want to go shopping. Does it make you a bad person for saying no? In reality, no, it doesn't, but you feel no, obligated right. to because you're like, well, I have all the, I can go. Should I just go? I'll just go. And then it's getting harder and harder than to say no. But if you're mature enough, you can say, you know what? No, I really don't want to go, but maybe next time. Right. See, I think when I, I, I like where you're going with that, where it's levels of maturity. And, you know, we kind of spin that into the notion of discipline when you think about uh, athletes or, or, or human performance or player development. I think the ability to say no, I often think about all the tons of stories that we hear about new people coming into the league. This even kind of trickles down into uh, college life as well. The ability to say no to not go out with your friends. The ability to say no to stay the course of your training regimen, to stay disciplined with your diet, uh, your weight training. The power of no, I think, is very situational for a lot of people that perform. And I think if it's if you're in the right environment, no can be um, a very positive thing because it's coming from a safe place. It's coming through a consistent message. I think the pitfall for a lot of people is having the ability to stay the course because when we do say no, somehow, some way, I think society makes us feel weak because of it. Yeah. I think that... That you're not following the norm. Yeah. Maybe you have to be very um, confident with who you are as a person because then, like, you're speaking of athletes who are going in as a freshman. If they know who they are, they feel really secure. There's no amount of pressure that's going to set them up from what they're trying to do. Like, they're like, no, this is me. I can't go out tonight because I know that I need to get this done, and I won't if I do. Cal, in your experience, when you're thinking about the physical limitations in training, you know, I always used to say, jokingly, an athlete has to know their limitations of what they can and cannot do. That's an example of saying no when it comes to their training regimen or what's being asked of them. Of what's being asked sometimes of their coaches, and they know that their body is at their limit. What 
what what do you see when you're working with athletes when you want to jump in and say, hey, you know, it's okay to say no. It's okay to check out right here. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Um, I think that comes down to good coaching. And when I say good coaching, it's not only being someone who is observant and can read um, their, their athlete or their client, but also someone who can educate the client or, or the athlete to learn to read their own body. Um, there are some situations where the individual is saying no because of fear. There are some indiv- uh, situations where individuals will say no because they're just being lazy. Um, but then there are situations where the person is saying no because physiologically they just don't feel like something's right or they're fatigued or you know things in their life have uh, uh, set them up for a situation for today's training where um, they may get hurt because of the stress that they're under or the muscle tension that they develop because of anxiety or whatever it might be. Um, so knowing how to read your body is very important. And I believe that in any relationship, including the athlete-coach relationship, you have to have strong communication. So as an athlete, you should be comfortable saying to the coach, you know, no, I, I don't think I can do that today. Um, and a coach... If they're a good coach and, and, you know, things that we've talked about with regard to um, how you motivate and how you educate, should take that information and ask, you know, why, what's going on? And with the response that you get, you should either mo- modify what they do or motivate the person to do what you know they can do. Right. Um, so there is a delicate line. Um, there is a skill to it. But, again, it all comes down to basic things that um, are valuable in um, any kind of relationship, they know when when you when you mean no and let somebody you know know about it. But at the same time, don't hold yourself back just because of maybe fears that you have. Or um, I'll give you an example. Last night uh, at training, um, Jamie Skrupski, she's a keeper at uh, Murray State. Last night was her last night with us because she's going back to school, and one of her weakest movements is her bench press. So we you know we worked on that. So we're doing pin presses with her, and she did, was doing pin presses. For those who don't know, it's when you put a spotter arm up so that when you bring the bar down, the bar doesn't touch your chest, it's just above your chest. So it's a, it's a way to develop strength um, in a very safe manner. So long story longer, she was doing her pin presses with, I believe, uh, I think it was 85 pounds. All right. So I stepped in, and I said, all right, Jamie, come on, we're going to go a little heavier. That looked really easy. So by the end of the, the training session for that exercise, she was able to do 135 pounds for one rep. And in the beginning, when we first, you know, I first stepped in on, on her to put kind of motivate her, she was kind of resistant. She was, you could see the fear in her eyes. And I just, I reassured her, look, the bar's not going to fall on you. We have to spot her arms up. I said, and I'm here to spot you. I'll give you the lift off. I'll make sure, you know, everything moves the way it's supposed to move. So from that standpoint of, an athlete wanting to say no versus me knowing what she's capable of, um, I think that's where that the strength of me saying no in that situation came in to counter her no. Because I had more faith in her. I had more uh, faith in her ability and my ability. And I, I knew she could do it. So when you think about these things, Cal, give me uh, 30 seconds. Making time in 2020 and the power of no as it impacts the player. Well, I'm going to take this from a personal standpoint. And 
I believe in the power of no. And as I get older and as I get wiser and I can reflect on my life and things that are going on around me, I realize the importance of it. And it is tough to say. It is a word. It's a small word, two-letter word that's very difficult because you have so many emotions tied to it. You have so many things that you're considering the pros and cons of. But when you really think about the, the value and the boundaries as was brought up in the clip, the outcome for you and for the things that are important in your life will always outweigh what you think you might be gaining by not saying no. And, you know, for me, it's definitely family, you know, and, and maybe you could say the same thing, Lee. But I, I know by me saying no, it will open up more opportunities for me to, to spend quality time with my family and those individuals that um, I, I care about and time for me. I always make time for others. I don't make time for myself. So in 2020, I'm going to focus on saying no more, spending time with the people that really are important to me, as well as making time for me. All right, brother. Thanks so much, Cal. It's good to hear from you in the new year and looking forward to uh, a bright and bold 2020. It's a go, my friends. The head game continues here on WBCB. He's no yes man. He's Dr. Lee Piccarillo. And uh, Foxy, the, the, the transitions that you come up with, uh, they, they, they just make me feel good. Yeah. And I thank you for that. I feel like you've been cr- waiting to you, use that one. Oh, absolutely. I <laughs> had that one I had that one stored in the bank. When can I use this? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I said yes, no, and all the other stuff. And then... Uh, <laughs> Dr. No and all the other stuff. But you want to create energy to the next to the next break, so you hit that ground running. So you, Jess you rhymes with yes. So, right. But you're no yes yes girl either, right? No, she's not. No. <laughs> she's certainly not. So we're, to, we're talking today about the power of no and making time in 2020. And the difference between the concepts, what we're really discussing is the balance between what no and yes do for us in our lives, uh, how it impacts decision making. Um, And our newest segment, Who's Got Game, we just recently discussed Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, because when we put this together a few days back, that was the hot topic. But lo and behold, about 24 hours ago, we had our own little head game in our backyard down in South Philadelphia when Jeffrey Lurie fired uh, two persons for the Philadelphia Eagles staff, the offensive coordinator and the wide receiver coach, just after the head coach at the end of season, Doug Peterson, press conference announced that they will most definitely be back. And now all sorts of uh, discussion have fueled the airways. Yeah, surprisingly, um, actually not surprisingly, Jerry Jones and both um, Doug Peterson have showed how hard it is to say no. They're at a different level, you know. When their no is public, it's going to get scrutinized whether you say you go this way or that way. Um, I feel I feel like for Doug Peterson, it, it was so much different. Although it's the same sort of thing. I mean, you're not firing a head coach, but now they're saying Doug Peterson is. Or I'm talking about Jeffrey Lurie now. That's okay. I I, I, I just under- jumped. I, I understood it. You jumped. That's okay. okay. I do that in my head. Like yeah, okay. 
So this I'm not going to continue because I'm talking about two different type of. Um, but this is this is an, an added element to the head game that's going on in our very backyard. We won a Super Bowl in 2017. The Dallas Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl since 1995. And what I find interesting about how this game is unfolding is, at least, I'm no media person who is saturated in the Philadelphia Eagles day in and day out. I'm not a beat writer. I'm not a reporter. I'm not on site. I'm not in touch with the organization. But I never really thought of Jeffrey Lurie as someone who was a dominant decision maker Mm -hmm. as it related to coaching personnel with a certain vehemence. So what I find interesting about this game that he's now kind of putting his chips in the pot I think the decision is a clear announcement of who is in control, exactly what he's thinking about. There was a report that was released around the time where the firing was released that Jeffrey Lurie made it clear to the organization as early as December that he was very unsatisfied with the OC and the wide receiver coach. Again, interesting tactics that this would come up because... In 2017, there was a whole lot of love going on in the organization, and there was, we chose the right person who motivated the right team, and it was all true. But then we started talking about the layers beneath the coaches and the organization and the trust and the culture. This does not sound like that a short three years later. It does not. What it sounds like is a whole lot of miscommunication, disconnect, and some good old-fashioned game playing as to who really is in control. Because when you look at how that press conference unfolded, everyone's talking about how the end-of-year press conference is a, is a layup. It's an easy-peasy situation. You go out... You apologize to the the media, which is really an apology to the fan base. The winning the East is not sufficient. Everyone deserves more. We went through and endured a ton of injuries. We 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 pulled it together. We rallied as a team and did the best that we could. And oh, by the way, as as a, as we look at personnel, that's something that we're going to be very meticulous about because this city and this organization is committed to excellence. easy peasy Mm -hmm. but it didn't unfold that way so now really to what extent is this game being played and who is feeling because of the roles again I feel like there's just different levels to saying no this type of no is like more of a, a more of a negative because they're like we lost we need to blame it on somebody we're saying no and firing this person and that person. I'm not saying that they should have or shouldn't have been fired. But that really means just no, Coach Peterson, you're not in charge. Mm. That's also what that means. You see? Because, again, he clearly misspoke, but it's why did he misspeak? Why was there such a level of miscommunication? Where Peterson says, which everyone has played, and it saturated the airways, they're definitely back, for sure. Hesitation-free, yes. And then 24 hours later, there's an announcement. That's more about a stake in the ground, in my opinion. That's, no, 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 no. 
you're not going to make that decision. I am. That could have been handled 20 different ways. It could have been released. There, there couldn't. It could have been very quietly released. Yeah. You know? So then we're thinking about to what extent was uh, someone made the argument, not, not the argument, there was a, 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 uh, an analogy of, uh, you know, Jeffrey Lurie watching the uh, press conference and literally like spitting out his coffee, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. when he actually heard what Peterson said, almost like it was that shocking. And he's literally on the phone. You kind of have this, this you know, uh, caricature picture in your mind of Lurie on the phone calling down saying no 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 because then if you notice the press conference peterson started to back off of that statement almost like there was an earpiece like someone was getting in his ear like no 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 those guys aren't going to be here tomorrow you might want to kind of soften that statement is there any uh, g- commonality to remember the way he handled uh, chip kelly i'm not the gm i'm not and he decided right there i made a mistake boom and well, he got him rid of him before the season ended. Yeah. Last I mean, game. Yes. I mean, he, he's, there's precedent for this. There is. Yeah. There is, but not with this person. Yeah. Okay. And not after a Super Bowl. That, yeah. That's that's again okay. when we're talking about this collective game that that this 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 yes versus no that's going on in someone's mind. Yes, precedence has been established for sure. But with a uniquely different person, when you hear about who Chip Kelly was and not talking to his own coaches and what he did to Howie Roseman, right? when you hear about all of that, well, that's to be expected. Yeah, out, done, go. We don't care what that looks like. But with this person who was anointed as the emotionally intelligent guru that, that connected with his players to such a degree that, that, that drained every ounce out of his players that has their back, that protects them at all costs. It doesn't add up to me. And, and is it, is it a, a, an indication of what might be coming? I, I don't know. There's, there's already buzz of, is Peterson now reflecting on how that went down and saying, wait a minute, <laughs> that, that was unnecessary. You don't think that, that Doug Peterson isn't getting phone calls right now? I, I think it's in, really telling. In today's world of win yesterday, he's getting phone calls. Hmm. And I think there's no surprise to that. But again, when you think about how it went down, how it, it was so public... It's really the antithesis of what the gold standard Philadelphia Eagles have established thus far. You go back and watch that clip of, of this is the new norm on the art museum stairs hoisting the trophy. And not a lot of time has passed. And how that transpired, that's not indicative of those types of people that got this organization where it is. There, there's a disconnect. Again, back to the game that's being played. We don't yet know what the final outcome will be. Um, as we talk more and more about the power of no and making time, as I said at the top of the hour, uh, upon my own reflection, uh, coming off of vacation and I chose to disconnect and what we all call unplug, Uh, We don't rely so much on the smartphones. Let's take a slightly different look 
in the last quarter of our show as to what the power of no can mean as we relate to technology and how it's constantly encouraging us to like something, give it the thumbs up, and swipe. Foxy, let's go to number three. This is your smartphone, and as it tries to control your life. But here's the thing. When it comes to playing for coaches that are jerks, we've all played for them. I've played for tons of them, okay? My college coach, in particular, didn't really like me. Called me a lot of names. There were plenty of times where I didn't want to... That's not it. Hey, that was from last week, though. Well, well, good. Maybe maybe you can (laughs) fill me in. I can. I actually remember it perfectly. He was, maybe we can somehow put it into this topic. Who was was that? So I don't know his last, his last name was very long. It was very Italian. And he basically, he was somebody who played as a professional player um, and then created a little organization, like a little baseball thing. Take two. Take two. Thanks, Fox. Yeah. I noticed when I was at Stanford, uh, there, was a, there was a class called the Persuasive uh, Technology Design class. And there's a whole lab at Stanford that teaches students how to apply uh, persuasive psychology principles into technology to persuade people to use products in a certain way. So it's not about giving you all this freedom. It's about sucking you in to take your time. So the goal is to keep us on our devices longer. Why? For any company whose business model is advertising or engagement-based advertising, meaning they care about the amount of time someone spends on the product, uh, you know, they make more money the more time people spend. So the game becomes, how can I throw different persuasive techniques to get people to stay, to spend as long as possible, and to come back tomorrow? And it's clearly working. Today, wherever we go, we're inevitably surrounded by fellow citizens staring into their phones, as we usually are too. We see this a lot in athletics too, like LeBron, for example, and I believe Joel Embiid did it last season too during the playoffs. They go into a blackout. They post on Instagram a picture of nothing, so it's just black, and they say, like, and you know, like, it's time, like, it's playoff time, and they shut down everything. Kind of like what you did on vacation. They just take a mental day to tune out everything because now they're super focused in one thing. Because of how um, controlling and, see, well, I can't imagine for athletes with being on social media, especially during playoffs, why would you even want that kind of noise? You're, you know, you're traveling, you're trying to do all these different things. So, I don't know. And I think that's an excellent point. Back to the clip that we just listened to, it's a gentleman from who is getting his master's at Stanford who actually yeah. was working for Google, mm-hmm. and he put together a very extensive document really encouraging that how smartphones, specifically apps, need to do a better job of enhancing the quality of life with the consumer and not just designing apps to keep people on their devices. And he did not get the response from Google that he was looking for. And about three years later, he quit. And he went and he started his own organization called Time Well Spent, which I think is a brilliant name. This gentleman is very, very intelligent, but more specifically is taking a a slant on technology that is really unprecedented because no one really else is doing it. Uh, His name is Tristan Harris, and he talks about the 
addictive nature of the phone. He referred to it as a new choice on life's menu that is sweeter than reality. And he also talked about how these apps, you have engineers that are writing code that are specifically predicated in neuroscience, the psychology of the human behavior model, and they're going after what they call the bottom of the brainstem, which is tapping into those primal reactions, excitement, fear, joy, that really get us going. There's another organization that is spoken of later in that clip, which is referred to as the Dopamine Labs. And their whole slant is they're creating apps specifically designed to release dopamine, the chemical in the brain that's strongly associated with reward and positivity. So, yes, there are people out there that are specifically designing their programs to keep you on your smartphone longer. Now, as it relates to athletes and the sense of urgency that they have with the blackout, think about the psychology of what those athletes are communicating to their fan base. Yeah, they're, they're, I think they're showing um, how, in a way, detrimental social media can be. And social media, when it first arrived, I think everybody with the, the whole new age it's, it's a lot of positive things. You can call people from anywhere in the world. You can communicate. But now it's starting to become, like, I really need to put my phone down. And, like, I think that it's a new wave happening. Like apps, like you said, um, like the Calm app where LeBron James is a part of, I actually have it just out of curiosity. And, like, I listen to LeBron James, and he goes through, for athletes, he teaches emotional regulation. Like, he's, you're trying to change the perspective of social media now, which I think is really interesting. Also, to your point, I think a lot of people forget or they don't know. And I only know this because I took a, um, what was it called? It was like a psychological, something, a a digital psychology. And I learned Mm -hmm. how many psychologists are involved with computers, with social media. Like they, they actually are calling for psychology majors because everything within computers is positive and negative reinforcement. Yes. Which I thought was so interesting. They did a little expose on Twitter where, um, and this is true with Instagram as well, there are different periods of time when you open up your phone Mm. where you will get a cluster of likes all at once, which is an algorithm within the app that is specifically designed to approach that user at a key time to boost the dopamine and encourage the endorphin rush, which you then want to revisit. So now yeah. they're, they're taking statistics on how often you're checking your phone, and it's approximately once every 15 minutes. But if, say, if it's four times an hour, at least two of those times are without notification from your phone, where you're just becoming more curious as to what's happening on your phone in the 15 minutes that you've been absent. And now the psychology is suggesting that when you scroll or you swipe, you want that aha burst of they like me or they like it or I'm wanted. It's the, it's the validation that you're seeking. And more and more neuroscientists are starting to look at it as an addiction model 
and there are serious concerns about the younger consumer, the teenager, the the prepubescent adolescent that are turning to their phones for an emotional boost when they're struggling in life. Give them the Kirk Cousins. You like yeah. that? <laughs> I was I was just thinking that on like a psychological perspective, people who have addictive personalities. Um, like like with alcohol, you know, when you drink alcohol and then you, you know, you just want it more and more and more because there's half of the population and I'm using very broad terms. It's obviously not half of the population, mm-hmm. but in my sense, half of the population is like, all right, I'm kind of over social media. Like I, I've got so much dopamine rushes that I'm just like, I need a break. And then the other half is like, I need more. I feel like it's like really telling and from a psychological perspective, I would be interested in reading a research for people just studying and how they can there's I think it's a whole I can Well you could survey those your age and against my age that didn't grow up with it and you see Twitter as they I would never say I, yeah. no, stuff that's said on Twitter to I would never if you could say that to somebody's face, would you do it? You wouldn't. I would that, argue that, that we're yeah. probably very similar because yeah. I I grew up right at the start of it and my yeah. whole life and I was just saying this my whole life I've been watching screens and now I read books because uh, I'm just yeah. so sick of it I wouldn't say anything on Facebook that I wouldn't say to somebody's face that was the you know, <laughs> that, uh, that's, that's, that's how the way it should I, that's, be yeah that's, that's kind of the way you grew up that's how it yeah. should be and you probably have a better um, that's the golden rule Foxy yeah, that, it was. that started with your generation it, it was. and even through my parents yeah. into what I try to teach my children let's just quickly roll with the whole addiction though and alcohol and drugs and, and nicotine what's the age restriction on alcohol consumption how is old it 18 how old alcohol I don't remember 21 sorry 21 18 in my day right in your day here over in Europe <laughs> they just increased the age restriction for smoking there should be an age restriction on social media. How about that? There is no age restriction. No, and with YouTube, there's a new law coming out. I don't know. It's not a law. There's all these lawyers. I don't remember the exact name. I think it's COPA or something. They're hitting YouTubers hard right now because, like, seven-year-olds are giving YouTubers money without knowing because they're clicking on the video. And it's kind of the same thing. So now, like, it, you probably don't know, but for, like, games like PlayStation and Xbox, when you log in, you have to click, I'm older than 14. Mm. You're going to have to yeah. do that now on YouTube. There's going to be re- there's gonna be regulations. There's going to be yeah. freedom. Of, uh, there's going to be First Amendment issues as well. So. Oh, big time. Yeah. And it's kind of time. Like, you think of, like, a longevity type of study. Like, it's been that amount of years that now data is coming out. And you They've can already actually... started longitudinal studies on persons that were teenagers five years ago and they're going to be tracking them for 20 Mm. to the level of social media exposure and to what type of life choices that they make once they become of legal age to smoke to drink because they're going after as we go back to the stanford dropout um who spoke of the persuasive classes that were being taught at Stanford. They're going after the whole anti-addiction model as these things unfold because it's, it's at the point of an epidemic and it's just a matter of time when, before the data comes out and supports it. And it ties up to your theme. Just say no. Yes. Just say no. Or no in that case. The power of no. (laughs) And what time does that make? And now, Dr. Lee's Mindful Athlete Minute brought to you by Volvo Country with locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison. 
Sometimes it's just the sound of the words that resonate deeply within us. It reminds us of our childhood and the positive and negative feedback we both receive. Yes promotes possibility and all of the opportunities that come along with it. It showers us with hope that all things are possible. The sky is the limit and dreams can come true. It's the train that's always chugging. The truth is, the power of no is dominant and it ties us to our developmental roots. It transports us back to the earliest stages of our youth. It's memories of being told what not to do. It's our first playbook that has rules and guidelines of how to play the game of life. We can recall it with a negative slant and even a demoralizing tone. But what if no actually meant something else? What if no was taught at a young age to represent power, a voice to be used with authority for self-discipline and tact? If no represents boundaries, and it should, then perhaps the next gen would see it more as a tool of powerful persuasion to connect with their inner balance of wants versus needs. It would be a stronger choice that does not represent failure, but is integral for success. No would stimulate. No would populate. No would be necessary. Now, wouldn't that be nice? A change for the better that shakes things up a bit. I'm Dr. Lee Piccarello, and that's my Mindful Athlete Minute.